I really want to be that like, um, that role model for other autistics because there aren't any, especially for women. Yeah. And uh, it's, I mean, this is not new for me to know or other people who are in the autistic community to know, but how girls are on the autism spectrum and how boys are on the autism spectrum are two entirely different monsters. Okay. You know, well, mo- they're not monsters, but you know what I mean? They're two entirely yeah. different things. Yeah. So, there are not more male role models and stuff like people th- don't know that Anthony Hopkins, the actor, is autistic. He's a very late diagnosis, but his, you know, because we mask, meaning we blend in and try not to look autistic with society, it's made him, for example, a really great actor. Sure. But there's no autistic role models for girls. So, and everybody looks at the fighters. I know I sure did growing up. So, I want to be that person that other girls feel like, dang, I want to do cool stuff like Serena did. You know, it doesn't have to be athletics. It can be whatever passion they have, you know, or even if it's just taking the first step to do something that might make them uncomfortable. I want them to look up to me and think, think, dang, Serena did something super uncomfortable. I can do it just like her. Serena, you're an MMA fighter signed to Invicta FC. You're the first pro female autistic MMA fighter, and you're fighting Laura Mueller there at Invicta 44. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm really, I'm really happy to be here. Right on. Well, I love to go back with my guests. Like, where did you grow up? What was childhood like for you? So I was, um, I was in Philadelphia. I know if, if, any, if someone's going to correct the, Phil- the uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air song, I know it. Um, <laughs> but I grew up there all my life. And um, I was misdiagnosed since I was four years old until I was 13. So I had a really hard time um, kind of dealing with things. I grew up thinking I was a uh, defective neurotypical. Neurotypical is what we use to describe people who are, who have, normally wired brains like people who don't have like autism who don't have ptsd basically don't have a condition where their brain has changed um and i'm going in and out of these facilities seeing all these doctors who are giving me medicine it wasn't until i was teen i was correctly diagnosed with autism and i was kind of like what's that and along with everybody else it's the early 2000s no one's heard of autism Sure. And the more I read up on it, and the more it made sense. I'm like, wow, I really wish I had somebody who I could look up to and who I could follow who went through all this because I didn't know for, about like Dr. Temple Grandin until I was 20 years old. It was a little too late for me to have a role model then. So, but as I was growing up, I loved watching fighting because I also grew up on like anime. I grew up on Power Rangers and I grew up on fighting video games. Tekken's the best still. That's my personal favorite. Yes. And then one day I was a little, I was like, Five, I watched Gary Goodridge versus Paul Herrera and the whole grappling sequence with like one of my favorite characters, like how they would do a grappling sequence. I'm like, this is the coolest thing in my life. I can watch more of it. As yeah. I grew up, you know, I kind of found strength in watching fighters fight. And when I graduated high school, I was just like, man, I have nothing to do. And if I just work and go to college, I will go cuckoo in the cabeza. I don't want to do that. Yeah. So there was a local gym that offered jujitsu and Muay Thai. And I'm like, all right, you know what? This seems cool. And you know what? At least I'll be, if I'm a fan of MMA, I'll be an educated fan, knowing what the fuck I'm talking about versus like people at bars going like, give him the, give the good old dick twist. You know, those guys. So I won't totally. be one of those 
I didn't want to be one of those people. Yeah. So, but then life just kind of came at me fast. My first um, grappling tournaments turned to my first Muay Thai fights. My first Muay Thai fights turned to my first MMA fights. And it took me out to Las Vegas, meeting my best friend and someone who I've watched since middle school, my buddy Roxanne Mataferi. I mean, it's been a very enjoyable trip and I've enjoyed every second of it. So. I yeah, love it. there's something in the nutshell. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. How does how does it being like autistic like affect your life now, and and how does it affect your fight game at all? So, I have sensory issues. For me, um, like for example, like lights and noise are a big thing for me. Like I wear earphones constantly. I wear hats or I wear a hoodie when I'm like out and about. Like my glasses when I go out in the sun have transitions because like I can get migraines pretty easily. Like from super amounts of light really quickly and um it's it's a bit of a hurdle I have to go through sometimes but I've had intensive therapy I've had to deal with everything for like seven years so when I was first diagnosed from 13 to 20 when I aged out of services um I had a case manager who worked with my family and pretty much every single day we're working on coping skills dealing with all that and nowadays thankfully as an adult I have CBD and when I'm not in camp, I use THC to kind of help me cope with some of the symptoms that I have. But um, when it's fight time, I mean, adrenaline is really a blessing because it makes everything not hurt as much. Yeah. And I'm also more focused on someone trying to, to hit me in the head and then I'm just all smiling, going like, bring it on. So <laughs> thankfully in fights, it's not too much of, a, of an issue, but it's more like outside the fights. You know, I kind of have my moments, and thankfully, I have Roxanne, who's really understanding of it. She's been my best friend for many reasons. That's one of them is she understands what I'm talking about with sensory issues, yeah. and she knows like when I'm starting to get agitated or overwhelmed, and it's like, all right, come over here, buddy, and gets me kind of out of the way. Come on. So it's something. Yeah. But it's something I hope to keep working through and be a role model for other autistics. Like I said, be somebody I wish I had when I was young. Yeah. I love that. I love that. When you told your friends and your family that you were going to get into this MMA and like actually start competing, what was their reaction? They weren't surprised. Okay. Um, I have fought a lot outside of a regulated environment. Okay. You know, normally the problems came to me, sure. but my parents have always been a big proponent of you don't start the problems, you finish it. Yes. Um, there was just one incident. I was in fourth grade. I was in Taekwondo at the time because that's when my parents started noticing that martial arts was actually good for me. Like up here and everything, I felt calmer. There's actually studies now from the NIH saying that martial arts with autistics actually improves the connective brain function. So, hey, look at, look at it when you guys got the time. Um, so there are these five knuckleheads in my class who would not shut the hell up. And I'm trying to learn. And I called them all out for it. And they all wanted to kind of try and jump me on at recess. So I found a tree branch. And they all came to her. I had channeled my inner Rafiki and beat the absolute shit out of them. And they all came <laughs> home crying. But I was the one who got in trouble, right? Of course. <laughs> so, you know, my mom gets a call from a principal saying she should get a fresh start somewhere else. And I'm like, oh, okay. So my mom yells at me in the office along with my dad, but they both take me out for ice cream afterwards, stating how proud they were of me. Okay. <laughs> so... That's our family. And because oh, awesome. my little brother had the same thing. Like somebody tried to jump at the locker in the locker room like two years ago. And he uh he also trains with me and he's giant now. 
Yeah. And um, he took a kid's tooth out and broke his nose for it. So the tradition continues. I feel so touched. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So awesome. Well, before you went pro, you won the Tough Enough Bantamweight Championship. Congratulations, by the way. Like, Thank you. Did you know going into that fight that that was going to be your final fight before going pro, like whether no matter the outcome of the fight? I didn't know quite. I had a feeling that it might have been or it might have not have been. It really depended on what opportunities kind of presented itself because I knew my opponent wanted a rematch. Mm. And I basically said, say when. And all I heard was crickets for months. Yeah. So I'm like, I can't really wait along for that. I like getting money. So yeah. I decided to go pro. And then I fought Kelly Clayton in a, in a post-scrap. But then um, teammate decided at, like a, two months afterwards, they didn't like me so much and decided to rip my labrum. So oh. I didn't know my labrum was torn until probably uh, October, November of that year. The tear happens in the spring. And so I'm like wondering, why is my shoulder being all wonky yeah. and hurting? And I was just like, I got to see a specialist. It took a while to see that. And then it took a while for the surgery to be there. So 19 months total, I was out. And I was so depressed. Sure. Because when I wasn't training, um, I was stimming more. Stimming is like, you know, stuff we do, autistic self-regulation. Um, I was emotionally just not that great anymore. You know, mm. it was more, way more agitated than I used to be. So martial arts is really a necessity for me. It's something I, ha you know, I feel like I have to do, you know, not only for my enjoyment, but for my sanity and for, you know, for my mood, just for my regulation. Yeah. So it was hard. But when I got back into it, everything was great. And then, you know, because I'm that bitch, you know, um, <laughs> in November of 2019, I had my Invicta debut, just so 19 months off the of injury, three weeks notice fight Tanisha Tennant and it was a it was a tough fight a close fight but you know I learned from it I learned I needed to supplement my base a bit more and find find coaches who can help me with that because it's kind of like if you're in college and you're failing a class you just necessarily can't wait for the professor the head professor to do so you got to find who helps you out and I feel like I found that with my new um, coach Marvin Eastman who is a UFC veteran and is done craft for a very long time you know so between him um my pile my grappling with uh neil mellon on top of the instruction with um john wood over at syndicate i have really found i finally mixed everything together that needs to be and it's been pretty cool yeah oh, that's amazing do you ever have beef when you get into a cage like is there ever personal or is it just you go on you're like yep this is my job it depends okay if the person has run their mouth again don't start problems. You finish it comes out. Totally. But normally I try to keep cordial, but I normally find the problems after the fight happening. Like people are running their mouth, like, "Oh, I won that fight," or "Oh, this, that, the other." I'm just like, "You want to go again and make more money? I mean, please let me know." Yeah. Um, I might be having that happen in November. We'll see. With somebody who was claimed my win was legitimate. Okay. So them and their coach. So I was just oh, like, God. "Oh, cool." But first things first, we're going to focus on this fight because it's another UFC veteran. And I like testing myself and I like violence. So Yes. <laughs> I'm so excited for this fight. So, yeah, I mean, 2020, like, I mean, 
like I mentioned, you're fighting UFC veteran Lauren Mueller at Invicta 44, August 27th. I think this is your fourth fight under the Invicta banner, correct? Yeah. If yeah. we're counting the exhibition fights from the one from that one night tournament, which I didn't even get hurt in, yes. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, oh, it's something. I tried to, during COVID, I was trying to jump with so much attention because that semifinal fight was kind of nonsensical. I think I had Steven. I had Stevie Wonder, Helen Keller, and Ray Charles as judges over there because I was bullying Taylor Guardado, and I somehow lost a split decision, even though I made her ear look like it was eight months pregnant because of how right. much I like, elbowed her. <laughs> and then she went up two weight classes to PFL. It's just like, what? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I can't really, I can't really say or do anything now. I mean, I could eat hella burgers and go to 155, but I would feel like, crap so i'm staying at bantamweight yeah so well and you just came off a, a very dominant performance over ufc veteran liz phillips there at fusion fight league just in june there mm -hmm. and lauren is coming off of three straight losses two of those being decisions all of your pro fights have gone the distance at, at least I, according to tapology hopefully i have that correct there but you know what is it that drives you to be successful in the fight game I really want to be that like um, that role model for other autistics because there aren't any, especially for women. Yeah. And uh, it's, I mean, this is not new for me to know or other people who are in the autistic community to know, but how girls are on the autism spectrum and how boys are on the autism spectrum are two entirely different monsters. Okay. You know, well, mo they're not monsters, but you know what I mean? They're two entirely yeah. different things. Yeah. So, there are not more male role models and stuff like people that don't know that Anthony Hopkins, the actor is autistic. He's a very late diagnosis, but his, you know, because we mask, meaning we blend in and try not to look autistic with society. It's made him, for example, a really great actor. Sure. But there's no autistic role models for girls. So, and everybody looks at the fighters. I know I sure did growing up. So, I want to be that person that other girls feel like, dang, I want to do cool stuff like Serena did. You know, it doesn't have to be athletics. It can be whatever passion they have, you know, or even if it's just taking the first step to do something that might make them uncomfortable. I want them to look up to me and think, and think dang, Serena did something super uncomfortable. I can do it just like her. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. What is the mindset for you before you walk out to that cage when you're backstage? Or do you have any rituals that you go through? Are you feeling nervous at all? I mean, everybody feels nervous. If they're saying otherwise, they're a fucking liar. Okay. Um, but <laughs> it's just like, I put in the work. I know what I'm doing. I got a solid team behind me. And I know everything I've been doing in camp is way hard, was way harder than what the fight's going to be. Yeah. And I just like to make it a dog fight. It's as my strength and conditioning coach Lorenzo Pavlica puts in, because he's former pararescue. This okay. dude is almost 60 years old. He looks like old man Logan, like from Wolverine. Okay. Like dead ass. Like, so he's like, Serena, this is like a carjacking. Someone's trying to kill you. And I'm like, oh, like, fuck they are. <laughs> so that's kind of my mind. Like, like fuck, if they're going to try and kill me, they're going to have to suffer a lot before I allow that to happen. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's kind of more or less my mindset go it's like it's a real life violence encounter and it makes sense because all of us have signed the papers and it says you know you're risking injuries up into including death so it's just like okay i'm not gonna let that happen yeah and i'm gonna fight my ass off to make sure it doesn't happen 
or at least I've lessened the possibility of it. So sure. Oh, it's so good. Game on. <laughs> well, how did the, the nickname Southpaw Outlaw come about? Okay, so I was very rebel. I was kind of rebellious and kind of a little spitfire in my first gym a little bit. Okay. Like when people came in, like, you know, because I was still new and they're thinking, oh, it's a chick. They're not really going to do anything. So we have all these guys coming in who are new and trying to test themselves. And I just, you know, I would not tap. They would be like smothering me like all over my nose and my knee with the with the sleeve and I'm struggling to breathe and stuff before I turn around, I start giving it right back to them and like strangling them. And they're like, man, you're just a little outlaw. I'm like, don't call me that. We got Dan Hardy who's got that name. Yeah. Like, all right. And then they look at my stands like, well, what about Southfall Outlaw? I'm like, that rhymes. I like that. Let's work with them. So that's where it stayed. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to transition to some fun questions here. I've got these things called pod decks, essentially just random questions. I'm going to pull one out. Hopefully it's uh, not a flop. We'll see how it goes here. Okay, let's do it. Uh, this, this one says, what was your first screen name? My first screen name? Um, well, besides my moniker, I guess that's it. Okay. Um, we have that. And then we have, because Roxy called me Doreen, as an homage to Doreen, because I do, I'm such a good kickboxer. You yeah. know, it's from that, and because I love Godzilla so much, it's also turned to Reemzilla at times. So, okay. you know, we have those kind of things that bounce around, which is great because I freaking love Godzilla. Yeah. Because A, solitary apex predator, and B, when you're going into a cage, think about it. Just look at any giant monster film. You're watching two giant monsters go at it. Yeah. And, hey, Reemzilla, and so Godzilla flips it. Hey. <laughs> What fighter did you meet that kind of got you starstruck? Um, I've met a few. Um, when I first came to Syndicate, I met Tom Lawler, and I was like jumping up and down, like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah. Tom Lawler!" And um, of course, my buddy Roxanne Montefiore. But um, I think the biggest, I meeting Misha Tate was pretty dope. She actually even took me out for dinner once after my third amateur fight, and I'm like, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" She just picked me up in a Range Rover. Oh my god! She just took me out for Thai food. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! And then that led to me being part of her fight camp when she was getting ready to fight Holly Holm for the title. So it was an honor to be part of that fight camp, even though she tossed me around like a ragdoll hat, like the entire <laughs> town. But it taught me, hey, I need to like kind of start getting good at my, gra like a little better at grappling. So thanks, Misha, inadvertently. <laughs> yeah, oh, Misha's cool. I've met her a couple of times and, and just like super down to earth. Very, very awesome person for sure. Mm -hmm. I think you mentioned that you do some coaching. What do you like most about coaching the MMA? Uh, I think kids that they're at Syndicate, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, me and Roxanne coach the uh, kids jujitsu at Syndicate, and I love it because I'm an, I'm the oldest of four kids. Okay. So now all my siblings are like giants. Yeah, I got my <laughs> I got my one little sister's gonna be twenty next month. I got my the youngest, my um my little brother who's going to be eighteen in October, and he's already wanting to jump at the cage himself because he's been watching me fight. He was like five six years old yeah so and this dude looks like a gorilla and half the time smells like one too but what can you do um so we got all that going on and i lost track of that question crap <laughs> you gotta help remind me a little bit oh no i was just like what was what, what is it about the coaching that you like most oh i get to see the kids like it's like watching puppies kill each other it's like oh how cute they're scrapping <laughs> totally. they're trying to kill each other it's so cute and i just get gratification just like you know, teaching my siblings. Now I'm teaching these little munchkins 
how to do jujitsu and just seeing the light like go on in their eyes like oh wow as i put it to them the goal on stuff of jujitsu is to sit on your friends and not let your friends sit on you and they're like okay because <laughs> a little like it's not as straightforward as you know punch your friend in the head or something well they don't punch each other in the head like not like hit your friend and, and have them not hit you it's like they're all like, okay, I like sitting on my friends without having them sit on, on me, and they just have fun with it. Like, I yeah. love seeing them grow in their tournaments, and then, of course, when they get older, then they have to go to the bigger kids' class. Now I kind of get what teachers go through seeing their kids, you know, their class graduates. Like, but I still <laughs> see them there, and I still see how big they've gotten. I'm thinking to myself, God damn, I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of, I kind of, I treat them all the same pretty much as I treat my siblings. Like, I give them that tough love. Yeah, the same, they all know that I love and care for them, and I'm always there for them. So, it's, really fulfilling for me. Yeah, it's awesome. My kids are 11 and 8, and they just started doing striking and jujitsu about a month ago, and they love it. And uh, absolutely, like, get so much out of every class. And it's cool just as a parent, kind of sitting on the sideline, watching them grow and get better in their techniques and and things like that. I'm a big music guy, so I love to ask the question: like, what's a favorite type of music for you, or do you have a favorite band that you like to listen to? I have a very eclectic music taste and go from anywhere from Run the Jewels to Dolly Parton. So okay. that being said, like I do love Run the Jewels because let's be real. A lot of the rap that's out today is garbage or as I call it pill rap where they're talking about, oh, I'm, I'm drinking lean. Oh, I'm having all these hoes and whatnot. Like, okay, to each their own. I mean, some of the beats slap a little bit, but sure. when I, when I'm from the nineties, when I listen to rap, I want substance. I want a story. Yeah. So Run the Jewels has been that kind of rap group that's given me, you know, a story to follow. Like, and they rap about things that are, you know, genuine and stuff. And I like them. Mm. And I've walked out to Run the Jewels plenty of times that I'm, you know, getting, you know, when I'm coming out for a fight because it just gets me amped. But I also like power metal. Like, I'm very big in Sabaton because I'm a history nerd. And okay. I've listened to Sabaton backstage or when I'm like, but it's leg day and I'm doing squats. I have to hit a PR or whatnot. Um, but yeah, like I said, Dolly, like Dolly Parton, I love Dolly Parton. I always have. And yeah. when I fought in Valor Fighting Challenge in um, Knoxville, Tennessee, I was so bad. I was half an hour away from going to Dollywood and I didn't get to go. I was so <laughs> mad. I have, to, I have to go to Dollywood this year. That is on the to-do list. Go on. I shall not be stopped. There we go. Awesome. I also wanted to give you an opportunity, Serena, to just give a shout out to coaches, teammates, sponsors, anything like that. The, the camera's all yours. Okay. Well, I'd like to thank my team, Syndicate MMA, for, you know, always being with me, giving me a home, doing my stuff, and helping me become a better fighter each and every day. Um, I want to thank my sponsors, Combat Sports Law, My Consumer IT. I want to thank Dr. Shen Orsak for always being there for me, my medical needs, because tech. Um, I also want to thank PES Nutrition for all the lovely supplements they give me. I love their DCA powders right now. They're really helping me keep myself alive the best I can before training. Um, and just I want to thank all my friends and family for really being with me and sticking by me because as we know in this game, fans are very fickle. But I like to, I'd like to say I have a very dedicated group of fans and I like to thank them for sticking by me through all the craziness that I've gone through. And they're awesome. <laughs> Oh, I love it. And it's such an honor for me to have you on my show. I've been following you for a long time. You're an amazing person. You're an absolute world changer and truly an honor to have you on. Thank you so much for your time, Serena. I really appreciate it.
Of course. Have an awesome rest of the morning. I am going to go get ready to go kick everybody's butt in trip. What's going on? Thank you so much for watching the show. I really appreciate it. Hey, I just wanted to do a quick introduction. If you've not seen my show or you don't know the services that I offer, I wanted to drop them to you right now. One, I do voiceover work. So if you're looking for a voiceover person to cover your motivational videos or maybe it's Kickstarter videos or whatever it is, let me know. I'm more than happy to help you out there. I also work with brands on brand and product videos. So they'll send me their products to do reviews or box openings. Let me know. I'd love to work with you on your product as well and help you get that product out there. I also love to be able to share my story. So if I can make an impact on one person at your next speaking engagement, let me know. I love to talk about my story. I love to talk about how our past does not define our future and morning routines and being consistent, how to be around those successful people that are just going to lift you up. Let's chat about having me speak at your next event. Let's make it happen. Again, thank you so much for checking out this show. Check out ericgallonmedia.com. Really appreciate your time. Have an awesome day.